0: Beautiful souls, here's a preview from this episode's interview.
1: It was the first time I was introduced to this thing called solution-focused brief therapy, and it's a kind of therapy that's about the outcomes the client has for the the outcomes the client wants to achieve in their life and the hope they have for their future, and it just made complete and total sense to me, and I knew this is the, the way I wanted to work This was how I wanted to talk to people. Mm -hmm. This is how I wanted to base my work. And I I have not really turned back.
0: Beautiful soul, have you ever wanted to speak to angels? Do you believe angels can support you in your daily life? If this is you, go to my website homepage, theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email. As a gift for signing up, I'm giving you access to free resources, including 31 healing meditations that, if you do daily, are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly. Start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days. Now, take a deep breath. Feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love joy, peace, bliss, and ease. And remember, your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And friends, today we have Elliot Connie on the podcast to talk about his book, The Solution Focused Brief. Therapy Diamond. It's a new approach to SFBT that will empower both practitioner and client to achieve the best outcomes. Elliot, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. So I want to start out here because I know that there is just so much that our listeners are going to gain from this conversation today. Solution-based, um, solution-focused uh, solution brief therapy, you say, is a therapist therapeutic approach that focuses on the client's hope for the future instead of their ongoing problems. This is different from anything else that I've even seen when it comes to therapy. How does this help? How did you even find this? I want to know everything.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll start with how I found it. I'll I'll take you back to the beginning. Uh, Solution-focused brief therapy has been around since the late 70s. And I was in graduate school in the early 2000s and really just wanted to learn how to help people and how to do therapy in an effective way. Sadly, I don't feel like graduate school teaches you that. Graduate school teaches you about theory. It teaches you about history of of things. And it teaches you techniques. And I come from a real, I mean, there's some really difficult things in my in my childhood associated with an abusive father and anger in my home and feeling unsafe and all those things. And I was really, I remember being really like disappointed that I wasn't learning how to like do therapy. Yeah. I was just learning about all these theories. And um, most of them, if not all of them were problem focused. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine sitting in an office for an hour Talking to someone about the worst parts of my childhood and not being affected negatively. And consequence of that, I also couldn't imagine putting other people in that position where they had to talk about their most difficult moments and experiences negatively. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a struggle uh, for me. It was a massive uh, struggle for me. And then one day, man, I was reading this book, and it was the kind of book that had a whole bunch of theories in it. And one small part of that book really resonated with me. And it was the first time I was introduced to this thing called solution-focused brief therapy. And it's a kind of therapy that's about the outcomes the client has for the the outcomes the client wants to achieve in their life and the hope they have for their future. And it just made complete and total sense to me. And I knew this is the, the way I wanted to work This was how I wanted to talk to people. Mm -hmm. This is how I wanted to base my work. And I have not really turned back.
0: It's amazing. Okay, so I want to break this down even more for people because I've been going to a counselor off and on my entire life since my parents went through a divorce and I was young. And I remember not knowing how to do therapy. But when you're young, you don't understand what it is that you're even thinking, retrospect, nobody comes in and says how to do therapy. And so many of them are really focused on talking about your issues um, or what had happened when it's different. And it is this new way of focusing on hope and your future. What does that actually look like when you're in the session?
1: Well. It looks like me asking you about it. Like most people come to therapy prepared to be asked, like what brings you into therapy, and then you talk about your problem. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. My, in, in using your example you just gave, my parents went through a divorce, so on and so on. That wasn't. That's not necessarily. I'm trying to think how to word this. That's not what we do when we use solution focused brief therapy, and that's not necessarily the most helpful and efficient way of going about it. What we ask our clients when we first meet them is, "What outcome are you hoping to achieve from being in therapy?" Mm-hmm. And by asking that question, we start talking immediately about hoped-for futures, as opposed to the problem. And the the power of talking about a hoped-for future is inspiration happens, motivation happens, change happens. Like in a, in a lot of ways, if I went to a therapist and they said, "What do you, what brings you here?" And I said, well, my dad was really abusive, and I'm super sad, and I'm super depressed, and I'm super anxious. There's there's no real way to solve that. But if you ask me, what am I hoping to achieve? And I said, well, in spite of my problems, I still want to be a good husband, father, leader, whatever. Um, then we have conversations about that. And change needs to always be the focus. And we have this weird belief that in order to change, I have to unpack a problem. But that's... That is fundamentally flawed thinking. That is not true.
0: Why is it not true?
1: If you think about it, it's just And I like-
0: I agree with you. Like, I am so on board. I just want to, like, open this up because this is what the angels show me all the time, is that you have to stay focused on this hope and on this future. Um, I just want to, like, dig in.
1: Yeah. I mean, because we know the best way to overcome obstacles is to focus on the thing that you're trying to achieve. And if I give you an example that is not in the field of psychotherapy, it makes more sense. But like if you go see a dentist and the dentist says, and you go, let's say you're just going for a cleaning and the dentist kind of assesses your teeth. And before they clean your teeth, they say, I'm happy to clean your teeth. But before I do, can you please tell me how they got so dirty? That information does not help the dentist one, one <laughs> bit. Or if I go see a personal trainer. And the personal trainer says, I'm happy to um, help you get into shape. Before I do, can we please have a conversation about how you got out of shape? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, telling the personal trainer how I got out of shape does not help them become a better personal trainer. And the same thing is true in therapy. Like if a couple comes to me, and we do this often in our profession. If a couple comes to me and they say, we'd love to work on a marriage, and the therapist will say, Sure, I'm happy to help you, but let's have a conversation about how it got off track. That information doesn't help them, but somehow we have convinced ourselves that it does, and we engage people in these conversations that actually are not useful.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and this is what you learn when you're an entrepreneur and you're working with a lot of other CEOs, presidents of companies, is they're always strictly focused on the really big mission in front of them, the very big goal in front of them. And they get very, very focused in order to accomplish that. And as they really focus and laser in on what it is and where they want to go, everything else just kind of falls by the wayside. And really, I tune into energy constantly and it feels when i'm when i'm talking to these presidents and ceos like their energy is so distracted when they're just focused on everything but as soon as they laser focus in they've got 99 100% of their energy behind them going after that one thing that's where the magic starts to happen
1: absolutely true like people that are successful and as you said like leaders of industry and ceos They have this unique ability to be laser focused on their big picture outcome. Mm -hmm. And when you are that way, you can handle obstacles in a very different way. When you are that focused, your resilience goes up. Like when you are that focused, you somehow become like a better version and stronger version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think what solution focused brief therapy does is activate that in people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're around a lot of other healers within the industry too, not just counselors and therapists. Obviously healers and therapists are different, two different certifications. Obviously you guys go through so much more and yet within the healing industry, there's a lot of focus right now on inner child work, ancestral trauma work. Um, We've talked about this on the podcast. Is this The healer sex, the spiritual sex way of focusing in on problem-based therapies instead of hope and future solutions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think inner child work and ancestral work. I mean, look, I'm an African-American and my ancestors mean a lot to me. The people who come before me have made a lot of sacrifices so that I can be in the position that I'm in now. If you ask me questions like, what are you doing that would give you the idea that your ancestors are looking you and are proud of you, that's an amazing conversation. Yeah. As opposed to just talking about the wounds of my ancestors and my ancestral trauma, like talking to me about like what I'm doing now that makes my ancestors proud of me like that is such an uplifting, like wonderful conversation. And that's how we need to have those conversations from a solution focused perspective. I think sometimes we think about like inner child work and this ancestral trauma work, like we got to go and drudge up these things. And that's just not true. That's
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that's just not that's not a realistic aim. I think you could say to me in a really difficult moment, Uh, Elliot, if you woke up tomorrow and you handled this moment in a way that made your grandmother proud of you, I would instantly have a different perspective on what I'm going through. And I think that's how we need to talk to people.
0: Yeah. Oh, that really hits deep. When it comes to this work too, there's so many people who say that you have to really be in the present moment 24 seven. And I've really struggled with this because this is not the message of the angels, when they do work with a lot of people, they're really focused in on that hope and that future and really lasering, focusing in on that to bring it to you. How much, uh, obviously, you need to be in the present moment to understand where you're at, how you're navigating life, your direction. And, you know, I'm watching on Netflix, that quarterback show.
1: Yeah, I actually just watched that.
0: Did you did you get to the part yet where like uh, the one quarterback has the neurofeedback uh, helmet that he puts on and he's watching a TV show on his phone? And every single time that he comes out of the present moment, um, because he has to be so laser focused on the present moment in the game, he's teaching his brain how to constantly stay in the present moment, which is just. Fascinating. How much do we need to be in the present moment, and and have we made it bad? Do we need to give ourselves permission again to dream and have that hope of our future?
1: You know, I think we have to do both. I think we have to be in the present moment. I think we have to be in the future, and we have to be in the past. But the question is, like, how do we do that? Yeah. Like, if I remember my past as like this very difficult childhood, that's gonna impact my present in a very specific and particular way but if i remember my past as a difficult childhood that i survived through that's going to impact my present moment in another way like i'm going to experience in my real present moment i'm proud of myself and i feel good about myself and if i think about my difficult childhood i'm going to feel bad about myself i'm going to feel like i was unlucky and and i wish i was born in a different environment but if I think about it as like, man, I, I got through that. Like I'm I'm strong and I'm resilient. And my past is evidence of that strength and that resilience. Then that in fact impacts my present moment right now. And we also have to be able to dream. We have to be able to say, like, what I really want my future to look like is this. And how we dream and think about our future impacts our present moment.
0: Did you know I give away a new free reading each month to a listener who leaves a five-star rating of this show on Apple Podcasts or Amazon? After you leave five stars, go over to the Contact Me page on my website, theangelmedium.com. Fill out the Contact Me form, letting us know that you gave five stars. That way, we can contact you when you win. The more five stars you leave, the more chances you have to win. And your name always stays in until you do. Don't forget to stay subscribed to our emails so that you know when you've won your free session with me. Sending you so much love and gratitude for your support on this. Thank you. Now let's dive back into the show.
1: Like, I remember when I was in high school, I had this dream of being a college athlete. And I really held on to that dream. So when my friends came to me and asked me to do stupid things, like I remember one day, a friend of mine found where his father hid his alcohol. And he had uh, wine coolers called Bartles and James. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Bartles and James, but a buddy of mine found where his dad had hidden his alcohol. And he came to school and he was like, hey, after school, we're all going to go to this house and we're going to drink. We're gonna all going to go back to my house. We're going to drink this alcohol. And I remember saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And the reason I said that it was because I was a better kid. It wasn't because I made great decisions or any of that. It was because I had such a strong belief in my hope for future that it impacted how I made decisions in the current moment. Mm-hmm. And without dreams of the future, we don't. We don't make wonderful decisions in the current moment.
0: Do you think that there are some people who have been so hurt that it's hard for them to hope Mm -hmm. and dream? What shuts people down from hoping and dreaming?
1: Well, the short answer to your question is yes. I think there have been people that have been so hurt by life um, that they just don't believe that it's in the cards for them. I think what shuts people down the most is other people. Like we, we as humans, we have a very bad habit and almost all of us do it. When someone you love or care about tells you about something they want to accomplish. We think we have a duty to protect that person from disappointment. Mm. So someone will say something like, I want to become an astronaut. And we think, gosh, that's really hard to do can you set your sights a little lower or we remind them not everybody becomes an astronaut the chances of you becoming an astronaut are this big like we say these things and a lot of people get frustrated and they get discouraged and and they they stop sharing their dreams and they stop believing in themselves because we're not really encouraging species right there's not there's not how we are there's actually research about this that when you tell someone about something you dream to accomplish the most likely response you get is a response of discouragement. And not because we want to discourage you, but we think I'm protecting you from being disappointed. So most people aren't really engaged with their dreams because the world has told them, you sound arrogant when you say that and you sound bold when you say that. And So few people accomplish that thing that you want to accomplish. So let's let's kind of set the goals smaller. But what we we'll really do is we need to do the exact opposite, trust that people can handle being disappointed. We need to trust that people can get through hard things. We need to trust that anyone can accomplish anything and talk to people as if they can do the thing that they're trying to accomplish. And to me, that's that's how life should be lived.
0: Yeah. When it comes to our own inner talk- dialogue, right? And like how we talk negatively to ourselves, cause we're also our own discouragers sometimes. Is it really as simple In what you found in your experiences to just simply talk back to that voice within your mind? Or do you have other tips and tools that you use for that?
1: Yeah, I just remember that I've, like, I can do anything because I've, and my evidence of that is I've gotten through some really hard things in my life. So I just remind myself that, like, if I have a goal, like, of course I can accomplish it. Why couldn't I accomplish it? And now it's not really a matter of like countering the negative belief. It's a matter of like not even having the negative belief because you've trained your brain just to believe in the in the power of what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So we've talked a lot about individuals, but you also work a lot with couples and you have a book out for couples as well. And What I see a lot of times with couples is that um, they do exactly what we're talking about, where one has a dream, one shuts down the dream or maybe tapers down the dream a little bit. How do you get a couple on the same page manifesting in the same direction?
1: Well, that's a really good question. And, And to be honest with you, the answer is individual to each couple. But to go a bit deeper than that is to remind them that part of your job is to believe in your partner's dreams. And I think people forget that, like going back to what I said earlier, I think I think we get scared and we get nervous. Uh, I was I was watching a movie that I've seen a bunch of times recently called uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. And there's a scene in that movie where the main character played by Will Smith says, I want to become a stockbroker. And his his wife says, like, why would you do that? And she becomes very discouraging. And and I remind couples that like part of your job is to believe in who your partner is trying to become.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. All right. So one of the questions, and I actually wrote about this a little bit in my book, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Not all counselors are made the same. Not all counselors are helpful. I wrote in my book about interviewing your counselor to help you figure out, is there a way for people to find solution-focused therapists? Is there like a database? Is there a resource? And how do you know that, hey, even if I'm going to this person and they're they're driving me towards my hope and my future, that they're the right one for you to work with?
1: So, yes, there is a database. My company created it. So you can go uh, online and find a solution-focused therapist. I actually don't remember the domain, but if you go to my website, com, you can find it, or um, the sfu.com, which is the name of my company. But I, I think the second part of your question is actually even more important. Um, you can find databases online, and you can you can do a search on if people use a particular type of therapy, including solution-focused brief therapy. But I think the second part of your question matters a lot, which is, how do you know you're talking to the right person? And I often compare this to dating. Like, how do you know that you're on a date with someone that will lead to a positive relationship? And that's kind of an intrinsic answer. Like, do I enjoy being around this person? Do I feel safe talking to this person? Do I feel like this person is valuing what I'm saying? Do I feel like this person is listening to me? Uh, I think all of those things are questions you have to ask yourself during the first session when you're meeting with, with a therapist, like, is this someone that I can talk to? Yeah. If the answer is yes, like keep talking. Like there is no, like you can tell when, like if the therapist is wearing red, they're a good therapist. Or if the, if they have glasses on, like there is no like black and white thing, but if you feel comfortable talking to that person and feel connected to them and you feel like they're listening and you could share with them and, and safely do so, then I think you might be in the, in, in good hands.
0: Mm, I love that. And how does a person know? Because we kind of just do therapy, right? And my husband and I have a standard appointment on the books once a month with our counselor. Um, I have a separate counselor that I go to see. Kiddo's got a counselor. How do you know when you're 100%? Because sometimes you have those needs where, hey, I need to be seeing you once a week or if not twice a week. And sometimes- you don't really need that, but it's almost like getting a tune-up on your car just to have a, a standing appointment. Is there 100% healed? Is there 99% healed? How do you know where you're at?
1: No, I, I I mean, I think we're all a work in progress, I think, and and life keeps happening. So like, I don't know that there's a such thing as 100% healed, but I think there is a such thing as... One like transformed, you know, I think there is a such thing as like, being able to overcome those things that are obstacles and challenges. And you're able to be the version of yourself that you want to be, I think there is absolutely a such thing as that. And I and, and to me, I think that's actually the goal yeah. um, is to be the version of yourself that you want to be and are most proud of. I think the biggest thing you need to ask yourself, if you're seeing a therapist is like, is change happening? um and if the answer is yes then keep doing what you're doing and then you need to ask yourself do I need to continue to see this person in order for change to continue happening uh then you should ask yourself how often do I need to see this person in order for change to continue happening like even as you say it's good to like bring your car to the mechanic once every 90 days or whatever but I I don't have to go see my I don't have to go see my mechanic every day or every week like how much contact with the therapist would lead to the appropriate and desired level of transformation. I think, I think that's the question to ask ourselves.
0: Perfect. I love that. Is change happening? I'm going to remember that.
1: Is change happening?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've been through three and a half years post COVID When you look at the lay of the land and just where humanity is right now, where are we? And where do you want to see us go over the next 10, 15 years?
1: I don't know where we are, actually, um, because we've never been here before. Yeah. Um, I think we've never gone through a pandemic. We've never had the political landscape that we have currently. The world has never been as communicative as it is right now, through things like social media. Now we have AI, like, like I it's, I was thinking about this recently, like I don't know how to say where we are because we've never been in this space before, but I can say where I hope we're going is I. I hope that there's more kindness and humanity in our future. I hope we can remember that I can disagree with you without hating you I hope that we can remember that I can disagree with you without accusation. I hope that we can remember that we don't all have to think alike in order to be great as a society and a culture. I hope that we can remember that what makes us different is inherently what makes us beautiful. I hope that we can remember that kindness is such a more beautiful way to live than hatred. And I think to a large degree, we've forgotten all those things. And I I hope in our future, we can remember them.
0: How do we get back to that? One of the things that I find myself struggling with right now is um, I don't know that I was allowed to have opinions when I was younger. And obviously, I speak a lot for a living. I speak a lot on the podcast and I teach a lot. But in my personal life, when I have a conversation with somebody and I have opinions or I wanna say something or hey, maybe that hurt my feelings. I don't know exactly how to say that and it doesn't feel comfortable. But one of the things that I've been playing with is the relationship can't further along and that person can't truly know who I am unless I open up more and share how I'm feeling about something or how something maybe hit me it's very, very hard though. It's very, very hard for me to kind of, I I wonder if that's everybody, is that just me? How do you work through that?
1: And I think what we have to do is just accept that it's going to be uncomfortable and we have to put down our expectation of comfort mm-hmm. um, because we're going to have to do uncomfortable things. Like we're going to have to stand up for truth and we're going to have to, speak up for kindness and we're going to we're going to have to say things in spaces where we're not used to saying things silence is the easiest thing in the world but silence always favors the oppressor Mm -hmm. so if we're going to create change we have to accept that there's going to be uncomfort along that pathway we have to no longer expect comfort if we want to expect change
0: perfect yeah so, just when you're like in that conversation, it's hard, but say the thing anyway. See say what happens. Say the thing anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love it. What else do you want our listeners to know? And where can they find you and follow you?
1: I want the listeners to know if there's one thing I want people to know, it's that your brain lies to you. You are so extraordinary and you don't even know it. And the reason you don't know it is because your brain does this really funky thing, which is anything you do, your brain thinks it's not extraordinary because you could do it. So I want you guys, I want everybody to believe in their own extraordinary abilities because your brain tries to tell you anything you can do is normal, but you are actually achieving amazingly extraordinary things on a daily basis. And where people can find me you can find me on social media at Elliot Speaks. Make sure you spell my name with two L's and two T's. You can find me on my website, com. Again, two L's and two T's. And I would love for people to stay connected with me and show love.
0: Yeah. And then we'll put the links to your two books below. Um, The one on uh, on marriage that we talked about and yep. um, solution's Focus Therapy. That's perfect. Thank love you it. so much, Elliot, for being with you. Thank you so much thank for you. being you and all the love that you bring into this world. I think that you're changing just the lives of millions of people. So thank you for all that you do.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks so much.
0: Of course. Have a blessed day.